One, two, three. All right, there is a ma massive delay in this, so this could be awkward at some point. Hey everyone, welcome to the Others Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Penny. Back again, uh, lots of episodes coming in the new year, fast and furious. So we are back with a new one. This week we are discussing freedom. And again, another new guest joining me this week um, of Instagram fame of NERD.live. It's uh, Panesh Han. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good as well. It's a pleasure to have you on. As I said on the, the last podcast, always uh, keen to get new guests on here and have uh, you know, new inputs and new ideas. So really good to have you here, especially with your uh, your Instagram page as well, which is becoming you know more and more popular. Yeah, thanks. It's been a it's been a good journey so far, and there's uh, plenty of more plenty more content to come. So uh, yeah, really excited with um, how it's going and. Lots of unreleased tracks and footage I've got behind the scenes, which uh, I'll be uploading in due course. Good stuff. And we'll talk a bit more about that um, at the end as well. Now, for people listening to the podcast, I will do my best in the edit, but I am in a snow-laden Finland. Pranesh is in the Sydney area of Australia, I believe. So there's, let's say, a slight delay in our audio and video happening. So um, if there's any weird awkwardness and silences, then, you know, apologies from past Steve and future Steve will uh, desperately try to correct it as much as possible when I get around to editing this. So let's begin. We're going to talk about freedom. Uh, from the list of tracks that I had, this is one that um, you picked from that list. Any particular reason you were you were drawn to this one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, firstly, I think the track is extremely powerful, um, without question. Um, and I love that the main theme of the record is all about optimism, um, specifically, you know, living your life without restriction or limitation. And you know, I think you know more than ever that's that's becoming super important for all of us. Um, you know, where individuality has been threatened by the like social media. And I think that, you know, having a track to remind ourselves that you, know, you can, you know, achieve whatever you want to achieve and you are your own mind is, is a, it's a great thing to, you know, for us to celebrate. And, you know, Pharrell definitely does a great job at promoting that thought um, in the track. And um, personally, I think it's quite fitting in the time we live in right now, which is, you know, why I chose this track. Yeah, exactly. I have to say, this is one that I've had on the list for a while. Um, I've tried to push it to a few people to do. No one's kind of been really keen on doing it. Um, but for me, this is probably the most underrated Pharrell track out there. Um, it's one of my personal favourites. So I've been really looking forward to, to doing this one. It's probably my, I'd say, second most watched Pharrell NERD video, probably after Front In. Uh, so I really enjoyed yeah, getting to watch it again repeatedly the last couple of days as I kind of go through it and, and make my notes and stuff. <laughs> and like you say, it's probably yeah, uh, timely with what's been happening of the last kind of couple of years as well. It kind of you know resonates again, I think. Probably resonates, you know, most times for a lot of people, but especially at the moment where, you know, a, a lot of us have been for the last couple of years, you know, in various different lockdowns and with various different restrictions and... 
especially you guys over there in Australia, where it's been kind of, I think, harsher than most places. Um, you know, you've really kind of suffered a bit over the last couple of years. So, yeah, very timely as well. Um, we'll do the, the very quick... Um, so, released on the 30th of June 2015. Uh, makes me feel really old, as do most of these tracks when I talk about them nowadays. Released as like a standalone single and then also part of the Despicable Me 3 soundtrack. I was very surprised that this never made it onto any actual Pharrell or NERD type project uh, and was part of just Despicable Me. I don't know how or why it happened like that, but it did. Um, It didn't perform brilliantly in terms of um, charts. I think it got to number one in Belgium. Uh, What else have we got? Number three in Greece on a certain chart. Number three in Israel. Um, What are we looking at in the US? Number 30 in the US and 36 in the UK. So, you know, average performance in terms of the uh, sales and whatnot of this one. 117 million YouTube views so far. Video directed by Paul Hunter, who, you know, has done... God knows how many huge videos over the years, including Frontin, as I just mentioned a moment ago. Uh, and this one, the video itself, you know, nominated for the best music video at the 58th Grammy Awards, which would have been in 2016, I'm guessing. Yeah. So yeah, that's the the, the quick facts. So yeah, let's kind of uh, jump into it. So a few other sort of initial things I noticed um, from kind of you know looking into the track and listening to it again. Um, obviously, the track itself um, interpolates uh, Uptown Anthem by Naughty by Nature, um, which is a track I'd kind of completely forgot yep. about, so I had to actually go back and re- you know, re-listen to it and re-watch <laughs> again recently. Um, obviously, instantly recognised it. The video, I'm not sure I'd seen that before, but features quite heavily yep. uh, Tupac, because the, the track is from the, the Juice soundtrack. So we're talking, what, what year was that? 91, 92, roughly? Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, yeah, 1993. Yeah, definitely. Early days, that stuff, yeah. Definitely, yeah. And looking at the, the credits, I noticed um, this kind of what I really like about a lot of these kind of Pharrell projects is you find not sometimes weird and wonderful names, but names of people that contributed to songs in some kind of way that you don't really expect. And it tends to just be the people just in the studio that are just sat around at the time. So in this case, you've got on backing vocals, you've got um, uh, Luttrell, so obviously who Pharrell has worked with for many, 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 many years and does a lot of backing vocals. You have uh, Fee Hollinger, who works for I Am Other, who would probably have just been in the studio at the time of this being made. Uh, You have Rhea, who is obviously one of uh, Pharrell's backing singers on tour and everything else. And then also Cynthia Liu as well, who um, is of, you know, Cactus Plant Flea Market fame. Uh, Also Pharrell's, uh, used to be his assistant, his stylist, I think still works as his stylist in some capacity. But yeah, her on a backing track as well. So I think, you know, with these backing vocals and stuff, Pharrell just tends to kind of pull in whoever happens to be sat around him at the time, which is always... um, always interesting and as i'm saying that i've noticed a red warning punesh has put his hands yep. up there is a failure of some kind <laughs> yeah something isn't it's working a, your computer is not allowing riverside to record uh, please refresh to continue recording that's what mine says all right so yes it's telling me please have punesh refresh his page to continue recording 
You refresh your page, I'll see you back here in a minute. I'm back. Hey, we're back. Hopefully, uh, slightly improved this time, a slightly better delay. And um, Punesh isn't going to run out of, uh, out of space on his computer. So <laughs> we should be all right, hopefully. Here we yes. go. So as we were saying, yes, um, we got to, we were talking about backing vocals and whatnot. Also on this track, guitar by friend of the podcast, uh, Brent. Um, I did ask Brent if there was anything particularly interesting about this track, uh, anything that he remembers. His, his answer was a resounding no. Let me open my messages and see what he said. Where is he? Brent says... Good old Brent. Nothing really exciting about this one. It was a really simple guitar part providing a one-note rhythmic motion to the track. Uh, Pharrell had the part and hummed it to me. <laughs> and I played it. That sounds exactly like something Brent would say. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, obviously Pharrell's gone in there. Uh, Pharrell, Brent has gone in there. I think as we've heard in the past, you know, Pharrell already has all the different parts arranged in his head already, basically. Um, you know, he kind of hums it out in some way or plays it to somebody else um, and they then take that and run with it. So a fairly straightforward part for Brent, I think, in this instance. Yeah. What else have we got in terms of facts and everything else? I think that's about it I had. So I will now hand it over to you, I guess, and give me your kind of thoughts and feelings and you know um, any anything you picked up on in the video and in the track that you want to want to talk about yeah i think um it, it's quite catchy isn't it it's, um and it definitely was a bit of a departure from what we heard from the girl album um so it was nicely timed straight after girl actually um, when his track came out um and yeah it definitely kind of took more of a serious tone i'm not saying girl wasn't serious i mean there's you know i mean generally it was quite uplifting so when Freedom came out, um, it was, yeah, like you said earlier, it was a standalone track and um, it was almost like, you know, chapter two of, of Girl or the next kind of iteration of what or where the album could have gone. Um, yeah, but my thoughts are it was, um, yeah, super catchy. I loved the, um, I loved the intro, um, the piano. It's quite, it's quite uh, memorable. In fact, I even remember just, that tune being stuck in my head and and I'm struggling to sleep at night because it was just like <laughs> playing in my head over and over again. So yeah, generally just kind of um, it definitely does have a, a repetitive kind of nature to it as well, which is probably why it kind of got stuck in my head. Um, but yeah, I think what I loved about the track more so is it built on um, that positive momentum from the Girl album and it definitely took it to the next level. Yeah, it makes me think if if maybe it was meant to be part of. Uh, the girl project and the girl album, mm. but maybe didn't kind of quite fit on it. Yeah. Because again, yeah, there, there are parts when you watch the video, there are parts of it that, again, you can interpret um, freedom, you know, the word freedom and being free in different ways. And there are parts of it where you have the, um, the kind of dancers and backing singers um, all very dressed up over the top kind of makeup and wigs and, you know, them kind of removing that part way through the video. So, you know, it's that kind of freedom for women to not necessarily, you know, be beholden to um, 
you know, having to wear makeup, having to look amazing all the time, having to do themselves up. Um, and we also see at the very end of the video, you know, two kind of girls taking off their you know, blankets or whatever it, whatever it is they've got around them and, you know, running naked into wherever it was they were running naked into. And, you know, also kind of, you know, being free in that way. That's mm. what freedom means to, to some people. So, again, there's that kind of, it makes me think, yeah, it, did it, originally fit on the girl album with those kind of intentions in mind because obviously the the girl album is um a an ode to kind of women and and stuff like that so was it written in part you know with that in mind and again when the video came around was it made with again that partly in mind yeah no absolutely and it's it's interesting you say that actually because when i was looking back at some of the videos from the from the um the girl record it actually had a bit more colour, um, vibrant colours in, in pretty much all the music videos. Like when you think of Gust of, um, Gust of Wind and Marilyn Monroe, like they're all very bright, vibrant kind of scenes. And then when you kind of um, watch Freedom, it definitely kind of has this, this tone to it, which definitely kind of gives it a more serious uh, look and feel to the actual music video. Like kind of like a low contrast, um, sort of washed out kind of tone to the video, um, and it definitely kind of plays into some of those really powerful scenes that you see. Um, I think they're in the mines, mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, some of those kind of you know they're, they're immensely powerful. I mean, it definitely celebrates diversity really well, um, which I love. And as as you mentioned, it definitely kind of is a, continu- a continuation of Girl um, in, in celebrating that. Yeah, for sure. And as I kind of watched the video back again earlier and actually making notes, I started to kind of look at the the different in, you know interpretations that you possibly have of the word you know freedom there. So we've already talked about one, you know, uh, you know women potentially being free from um, you know these kind of you know beauty standards. I'm saying kind of air quotes that we have today because of you know social media or whatever it may be. And then, as you mentioned, the diamond mine to, you know, freedom from, you know, slavery and oppression and working like that. Um, You had Muhammad Ali in there as well, briefly. So, you know, that kind of freedom to kind of be who you are, to kind of, you know, stand up for your beliefs and your religion or whatever it may be. Um, What else did I have? You had also had the, I think it's a Sikh guy, you know, holding the, the urn and throwing the ashes into the air. So again, you know, that's all to me that kind of almost represents, you know, like to some people, death is freedom. Oh. You know, yeah. especially if you're towards the end of your life and you're suffering in some way. You know, we, we see that now with people going to, you know, a really dark way, dark turn we've taken now, but, you know, uh, people ending their own lives because to them that is freedom in some way to get away from the pain that they're in. One other sort of thing I did notice as well that I've got in my notes was, um, he stands on a stage um, of a kind of school play and behind him it's depicting what I thought initially was kind of you know, Native Americans or somebody in a, in a net and they've been kind of captured. But it was actually, when I looked at it the other way around, it looked like these kind of explorers that were trapped by a net and then the kind of you know, Native American people or whoever it may be, the natives again in air quotes, actually standing there looking at them. So again, it's that... Um, that different um, interpretation of, of freedom there yeah. and seeing that freedom from, you know, those different perspectives as well. So that's what I really liked about the video, just all these different 
interpretations where you don't necessarily think about it as you watch the video and see the clips kind of flash up. They don't yep. necessarily mean that much. But when you actually go through and look at what each one could be in terms of uh, the word freedom and what that may mean, yeah, there's a lot of meaning there. There's a lot of um, a lot of thought kind of gone into that. And that's why I kind of really, really like the video. And I don't know how much of that came from, obviously, the director, Paul Hunter, and what came from Pharrell and what came from other people. But I very much imagine, yeah, Pharrell had that kind of idea in his head which i think he has with his videos as well from what i've been told yeah you know, he goes in there with an idea and a concept um that he wants and he possibly went in there with you know this idea of i want to show freedom in lots of different ways here's some examples let's build upon that basically and that's what we have as we kind of progress through the video yeah it it definitely kind of um it reminded me of the happy video um in the way some of the scenes were shot uh, with the when Pharrell was like head on with the camera. Um, so that definitely continued into this into this music video. But one thing I did want to talk about was I love the fact that the video really um, celebrates the beauty behind that you know behind that diversity that we see. Like every single scene mm-hmm. um, and some of those amazing aerial shots. Some of the shots of um, I think there's the Grand Canyons in there and, you know, the shots of the birds and everything. Like, it really brings to life the beauty of those specific scenes as well as the beauty of, um, you know, different different backgrounds of people. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely kind of something that, like, I wish more artists did, really, you know. Um, I know Pharrell's um, on his journey of really kind of embracing this whole kind of... Um, this whole idea of gratitude and I don't know if you've kind of been come across some of his masterclass stuff yet, but um, yeah, this album for me was kind of like the, the start of that, that sort of new furrow that we had post kind of the 2010, like NERD, um, nothing album. Um, it was sort of like a new, a new version of Pharrell. Um, it definitely kind of made them popular in the mainstream as a result as well. So it wasn't a bad thing. Um, but yeah, just from a character development point of view, it's really interesting where he's taken uh, this 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 song. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of the NERD stuff over the years has been kind of socially conscious. It's touched on certain subjects, politics, and things like that. But I think this is maybe one of the first ones where it's um you know a real socially conscious first track yeah. in him really literally and metaphorically shouting about it and screaming about it. And again, just touching back on the, the, the kind of girl album part, as you were talking then, I kind of thought, I think if you took out the the shouting part, the track may well have fit on the girl album. But I think there's, it's, I was going to say it's jarring as he kind of shouts that. It is to a certain extent. But I think I, I think that's where it doesn't you know, fit into another project. It may mm. fit into maybe an NERD type project, but certainly not a girl project with, with that yeah. part of the track on it. It's just too much of a of a difference. Um, and also, just touching on your point about the video, I've got a couple of notes about that as well about the way some of it was shot. Beautifully shot. Um, some really nice, you know, kind of cinematography almost in there as well. Although I did notice a few parts in there. They do kind of look like stock footage, um, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with using stock footage in a 
TV show, a movie, a music video or whatever, there are certain parts where I sort of wonder, like, did they actually shoot that or have they borrowed that from elsewhere? So a lot of the nature stuff, for example, like the the whale jumping, the cheetah and the antelope, those kinds of things, they look very stock footage-esque. But then at the same time, you know, the um, the footage of, you know, kind of the canyon stuff, I think that comes partly from uh, from Paul Hunter, but also from Apple, who are involved in this project as well, to a certain extent. Yes. Now, something I forgot to mention earlier is this track was the first track um, used to launch um, Beats One on Apple Music. Um, and it was used in the promotion of it. And um, it was Zane Lowe's first track that he played on there and stuff. But we saw around that time Apple heavily investing in in music, in artists, in projects, and in videos. You know, they paid Drake a shed ton of money to uh, you know, make some videos for him, basically to have exclusive rights to albums and stuff like that initially. And some of those shots I see very much remind me of a lot of stuff Apple was working on at the time for its own kind of promotional material. But also, you know, if you have an Apple TV, for example... The screensavers that you see that are made by lots of different um, artists and photographers around the world. These kind of scenes where they fly over cityscapes and deserts and uh, the newer ones, Grand Canyon and stuff as well. It very much, some of the shots very much reminded me of a lot of that work as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if Apple were involved in some way or utilized in some way to, you know, provide some footage or help get certain footage as well. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point, actually. Apple's quite polished, isn't it, as a company? Everything it does is uh, yeah, aesthetically beautiful. So um, yeah, and I think so, if you don't if you don't know much about Apple, if you're a, a general consumer, you maybe don't realise that they are so involved behind the scenes with stuff like this. So, as an example, as I just mentioned, you know, they invested a lot of money in Drake a few yeah. years back now hotline bling was the video was paid for by apple they produced most of it i think they hired the team around it yeah um and also that album that it was on i can't remember the name of the album um but by doing that they kind of secured i think the initial exclusive rights to have it on um on apple music for like you know whatever it was the first week or two weeks or something mm. and they do that with a lot of artists you know they're involved in a lot of projects that people don't really realize and obviously Pharrell has a relationship with Apple anyway he's been working with them for um, a number of years and I am other um, do a lot of work with Apple as well you know Brent has worked with Apple Um, all of that kind of comes from that overall kind of relationship so yeah it it wouldn't surprise me if um, they were involved especially because it was being used to launch uh, Beats One as well Um, and they would have not needed the rights to have that but um I think if they if they sweeten the deal in some way, you know, we'll help produce a video. If you don't release the track elsewhere, we get to use it first. Type mm. agreement, maybe. Mm. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. So, um, turned out pretty well um, for for our and Apple, I guess, with uh, the podcast still kind of going strong as well. Um, I know there's like a few now, but. Um, yeah, definitely kind of... Uh, That's an Apple podcast exclusive as well, isn't it? I think when it first launches, it comes out yeah. a few days now on that or on Apple Music or something first, yeah. Yeah, other time you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which I dip in and out of. I don't know if you listen to all of it. 
it depends on the guest when I when I tend to listen to it. Because unfortunately, okay. as much as I love love Pharrell, you know, my, my love for Pharrell in the team is you know obviously well known. I'm making a podcast about them, but <laughs> he's he you know his interviews and his involvement in a lot of these projects is um. Yeah, he's a businessman now. He's not just a music producer, the way I look at it. So his his answers, his questions and his answers to things he is asked are generally quite safe, I would say. Mm. Um, they're almost kind of political to to a certain extent. Mm. Although very different on drunk champ drunk drink champs. I'm drunk now. Drink champs. <laughs> Once you get a few, you know, a few drinks down him, he loosens up a little bit, it seems. Yeah. But yeah, with his his podcast, yeah, I find it a lot of the times a bit samey so again it will very much depend on the guest as to whether i um listen to it yeah i think i'm one my favorite one was actually when they had justin timberlake on on the on the podcast and chad and fam was on it as well and just kind of talking about the the issues behind the record labels as to why frel mm. can work with justin and i found that i found that really interesting exactly as a fan that's the kind of thing I want to hear not not necessarily like you know, salacious stuff, but just how things happen in the background. How did you come up with that idea? How did yeah. you mix that record? How did you produce that thing? What were the challenges? What what did you like? Yeah. I'm not so much a fan of the the kind of you know celebrity interview where they kind of sit there and just gush over each other and tell each <laughs> other how amazing they all are, um, which I find a lot of them kind of can be. Which, yeah, if you're making a, a podcast that is for the masses, um, which it is, because obviously it's, you know, on Apple Music and Apple Podcasts, then fair enough. But but I, I'm kind of, yeah, more interested in a, a slightly different aspect. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, I, I, it's funny you said the Pharrell thing, because now that you said it, I can't get it out of my mind. Like, Pharrell definitely plays it safe on podcasts. And actually, I think last week I was watching the Rick Rubin interview that's on uh, YouTube. I think it's like an hour yeah. long, and it literally is just them two gushing at each other <laughs> in terms of the. Some what of the surprised me in that interview is he he does have that kind of five or ten minutes where he talks about blurred lines and gets quite sort of angry and annoyed and animated about that because obviously mm. that was in the kind of midst of the 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 legal action or maybe just after the legal action had kind of found in favour of the the Marvin Gaye um, yeah. family. And he was, yeah, slightly, let's say, peeved about that, I think, having to pay out $17 million or whatever the the amount was. (laughs) So he gets kind of quite animated about that, which very much surprised me about that interview. But then, yeah, the the rest of it is just them kind of telling each other how amazing they both are, which, yeah, yeah, you know, is nice and all, but not the sort of interview I'm really sort of interested in. And that's why nowadays I think a lot of... Pharrell interviews I tend to just skip over I don't tend to watch them I know if he says something potentially interesting or something I may enjoy I will get told that by other people or it will turn up in one of the telegram groups I'm in or one of the websites that I happen to go to to get you know information and news Um, and then I'll go and watch it maybe but generally now it's like I don't rush out to watch a new Pharrell interview because a lot of the time, there's not a lot of new stuff being said. Yeah. yeah as you said, I mean, it's a, you know, he understands that it is a business and uh, the people that we are watching or listening to that content are probably mainstream people anyway. Like, I know you're yeah. part of a subculture, so the detail 
well, for us, is really, really important. But uh, for people that come across these interviews, um, that's exactly what they want to hear. They want to hear Rick and Pharrell gushing over each other. And, you know, that's, I guess, it'll kind of make their day ultimately. But, yeah, yeah you know, the detail behind the scenes is, is yeah, it's definitely kind of um, few and far between in Pharrell interviews for sure. The last bit of my notes I had just to round off um, some of the video stuff. This was the the all denim Pharrell phase that he had with his <laughs> you know flat cap. I say flat cap. I think it's like a Chanel hat or something, yeah. which are a bit more expensive than a, a flat cap. If you're not in, if you're not English British, you probably don't know what we're referring to. <laughs> Google it, you'll you'll see. Um, and I initially noted down, you know, no, there's no product placement or anything in this kind of video in terms of what he's wearing. But then going back and watching it again. There is blatant product placement um, in this. So he's got the, the Adidas jeans that he was wearing at the time, the customized pair, yep. um, which are fucking awful, horrible jeans with that Adidas logo on his on his ass, basically. Looks bizarre. Never a fan of those. He's got the Chanel. I didn't even notice it. <laughs> no, it, they're, they're in a couple of videos. I think Gust of Wind, he wears them. And there's maybe another from around that kind of era. He's wearing them. And... Not that I'm sat there looking at Pharrell's ass, obviously, but that Adidas logo is so big and red, it's just like, it looks bizarre. So yeah, not a fan of those. The Chanel belt, the understated Chanel belt he has on there. Um, and then I'm assuming his um, his kind of black uh, shoes are some, you know, horribly expensive pair from some brand that I'll never be able to afford. And like I say, his hat, I think, was like Chanel as well. I think I saw something about it around the time. So again, a hat that I'd never be able to afford, but probably wouldn't want to wear anyway. <laughs> and then, yeah, a couple of denim denim shirts as well, you know, customised. I do like the denim shirt he's wearing, the kind of denim undershirt, which yeah. has the kind of hold on to me uh, stitched into the back, which looks quite cool. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, no... no uh, no BBC, no human made, none of that kind of stuff in this video. Uh, a slightly more kind of grown up looking, as you mentioned earlier. It's I think part of that transitioning phase of Pharrell into his you know next stage of life, let's say. Yeah, uh, a man of wisdom. <laughs> yes. Um, anything else from yourself on the video or the track? Not particularly. I think uh, yeah, just kind of everything what I said earlier in terms of it's it was fitting around the time that it came out but actually like things have gotten a lot worse in the world and um you know when you listen to it again it still is quite relevant and that's that's really important um because the world hasn't really gotten better really it's kind of gotten worse um with the state of politics with obviously covid and everything like that and you know we're definitely kind of seeing um some countries go down this far right movement um element at the moment and um, mm -hmm. it's it hasn't changed. I mean, it's gotten worse, really. So you know, it, it, it definitely feels quite relevant for me at the moment. Um, but yeah, just kind of like ex ex expression of thought is really interesting for me, and I I really support people having their own their own positive. Well, I think it's really important to be positive. It's really important to do good in this world, um, and the song supports it. So you know, in, amongst all the kind of pain that we're suffering in the world today is quite nice and quite refreshing to to have that kind of message out there and um, which is kind of what, again why i love the track so much and as you said why you love the track so much as well i think we could we definitely kind of have more of that that kind of stuff um the airwaves i guess so 
yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it for me. Yeah. Cool. One last, actually, one last point I had around some of the the lyrics, because um, it was buried amongst all my other notes. Let me just move over to another screen and pull up the lyrics so I don't actually completely misquote it. The third verse on there, I really, really like. You know, all the verses are kind of quite short and simple, mm. but on verse three, you have the first part of it where there's a really good kind of wordplay and kind of meaning behind it. So, that, you know, to me, it's like um, it's a mixture of science and religion in one. And obviously, those two things are normally very opposed to each other. You know, if you're an extremely scientific person, you're not necessarily religious, let's say, and vice versa. It can be if you are the extreme of one or the other. But I like in this, you know, I'll read the first kind of couple of lines. Um, we are from heat, the electric one. Does it shock you to see he left us the sun? It says, you know, that we are from heat. So, you know, so that's kind of can refer to, you know, the Big Bang, yep. where we all kind of originally come from. But then it talks about like he left us the sun, so it's you know it's referring to to God in that instance. And then what I also like is you know the electric one, again referring to both. It could be the Big Bang, it could be uh, an interpretation of God. But then in the next line, I like the play on the the word shock. So he goes from electric to shock, um, which I I quite like. It's quite simplistic but nice. Yeah. And then the last kind of few lines of the verse. I am by no means a fan. I'm covered in tattoos, but I am no me by no means a fan of people getting song lyrics tattooed on themselves because <laughs> I generally think they they're a bit cheesy. They don't always look that good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If I were, I think, to get any song lyric tattooed on me in some shape or form, it would be the last few lines from the third verse of this song. And again, I'll read it out. I won't sing it, obviously. Please uh, do. <laughs> so it goes. <laughs> no please don't um atoms in the air organisms in the sea the sun and yes man are made of the same things now again quite a sort of simplistic lyric but to me that like it defines like the everything and the nothingness of life and by that i mean you know it's it's what we're all made of. It's why we're here. It's why we are chatting by the wonders of technology uh, from other sides of the planet um, and being able to kind of do this. But at the same time, in terms of the nothingness, it's like yes, we are we are made from the same things as everything else around us. You know, carbon atoms and yeah. whatever else it may be, and that's the same as what every other planet is made from, what the sun is made from. So in the grand scheme of things, we are. We're one nothing, and you know, we are just but, uh, nothing and one of the same, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, a blip in time, and just yes, all in one. Um, so I really, really like that lyric, that's kind of what it you know, means to me. And being a um, a non religious person, um, an atheist, um, you know, the, the religious part of that verse doesn't really mean much to me, but I see what, what it means to Pharrell. So obviously, religion is very important to him, but he is also. Uh, a believer of and a, a lover of science as well um, so it's always really interesting to see in his songs his lyrics and his projects how he kind of balances those two things which sometimes can clash against each other if you are you know really in, um, what's the word I'm looking for 
if you're really kind of you know if you're really heavily religious or really heavily into you know the kind of scientific view mm. um so it's always interesting to me to see how that balances out as well in terms of what he um what he writes and what he produces yeah absolutely i mean are you sure you don't want to get that towed somewhere on you <laughs> I think we started something here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm still debating it. Like I, like I say, it's, I'm not a fan of lyric lyric tattoos, but um, if I were to get one, it probably would be that. Mm. And, you know, if somebody out there can come up with, like, an amazing design of some kind and a place on me where it wouldn't look slightly ridiculous, then um, as someone who is already covered in tattoos, um, I'm, I'm open to, you know, to ideas. Yeah, what's one more tattoo? Come on. <laughs> so anyone out there that's a, a tattoo designer, exactly, what's one more, yeah. There's a space somewhere on me, I'm sure. But if anyone out there is a, an artist or a, a, a tattooist or knows of one and you want to, uh, you know, present something and uh, share it my way, then, you know, by all means, I'll have a look and I'll consider it. All right, I think that's everything for that track. Let's get into some news, and then we can talk about ourselves for a little while as well, which is always good. Um, So only a few bits of news um, recently. Uh, Well, it's probably loads, but a few bits that I picked out. A new BBC store in Hong Kong uh, opened earlier this week. And for reference, we are recording this on Thursday the 6th of January because this episode might not go out for another week or so because there might be a little surprise in between somewhere um, but yeah a new BBC store in Hong Kong opened up again interesting to see what they're doing with the BBC brand I know Pharrell probably isn't particularly involved in this probably doesn't particularly care either way either but he probably has to sign it off so it was interesting to see this open um, and interesting to see it open in the Hong Kong market as well, because we've already got the uh, the Japanese store out there, which you know, ships across Asia. So yeah, a new store. It looks great. Uses the the kind of Starfield design, yeah. kind of on all the walls and on a lot of the um, yeah. They've got like a uh, one of these kind of little photo booths there, which is all the Starfield design, um, which is obviously you know, one of my favourite patterns BBC have ever done. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So I love anything with that on it. Yeah, yeah. So it's looking really good. Yeah, is it a pop up store or is it a permanent store? I believe it's permanent. I think. Okay. Yeah, it's quite. It's um. You don't really hear about BBC stores opening up. So uh, yeah, this Hong Kong one's definitely kind of um. Yeah, interesting news at the moment. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, the last one before this was the the Miami store, which was originally a pop up. Then it became permanent. Then it moved locations. Now I think it's permanent at that new lo- new location, which is nearby to where it was previously. So yeah, interesting to kind of see this. Interesting to see what it would do out there, and whether it will yeah sort of stay open or or not. Basically, hopefully it does. Yeah. What else have we got? Some new bits that I've copped recently. Uh, the BBC astronaut NMDs came out. Uh, I managed to grab a pair of those. Uh, they're looking good. Uh, an Adidas Human Race hoodie for Christmas. Uh, so thank you to the other half for that one. <laughs> and also, finally, my Star Trek hoodie and T-shirt arrived uh, this week, about two months after ordering them or something ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know if you've managed to kind of, or, or you're even interested in this stuff, but whether you've managed to get any of this stuff. But yeah, so I got mine yesterday. Yep. I'm quite disappointed, I have to say. 
So I'm wearing right now the Star Trek hidden hoodie from a few months back, which to me is a, a great fit. Now I'm like, I'm a fast. I wear like an XL. <laughs> I tend to buy a 2XL because I like my hoodies, you know, a bit looser, a bit baggier, a bit more comfy. So this is a 2XL and this is kind of quite baggy on me. It fits yeah. really, really nicely. It's how I want a hoodie to fit. Mm. So I ordered the, the new Star Trek stuff which i think was the second star trek drop yep. i didn't bother getting anything from the first drop i ordered a 2xl there again thinking they come from exactly the same manufacturer exactly the same factory in florida hey future steve here uh after recording this i actually confirmed with somebody from star trek that they don't in fact or haven't in fact manufactured the standard Star Trek and the hidden Star Trek collaboration in the same place. They just happen to ship from a very similar um, facility in Florida. So bear that in mind as you listen to me rant for the next few minutes. Now back to past Steve. Thinking they would be the same fit, the same size. I literally, I was going to wear the hoodie for this recording because I only got it yesterday. I put it on, I squeezed into it, I pulled it down, and I was like, I can't wear this, I can't. Yeah. It's a 2XL, it fits like a large, Oh no! if that. Yeah. The t-shirt I didn't even try on, I just hung it up and left it. Oh. Um, so that's really, really annoying. And I love the design of the hoodie with the embroidered kind of yellow Star Trek logo on the chest. Mm. Then obviously the kind of screen printing on the back with the kind of Star Trek thing. Um, really love the design. Mm. But yeah. See, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my two cents. Um, so I so I have that hoodie, the one mm. you're wearing, the hidden, the uh, Star Trek hidden mm. one. I've got that. And I've, I've also got the T-shirt as well in black. And... Um, what I noticed between the hidden stuff and the Star Trek stuff is the quality of the hidden stuff is so much better than the, than the Star Trek stuff. So mm -hmm. that made me realize that, well, I thought that they were actually from two separate manufacturers because the hidden stuff is all top, top, top quality stuff. Whereas the Star Trek stuff, I think, is, isn't as good quality as the hidden stuff. Um, but for me, the Star Trek stuff actually fits me better than the hidden stuff. <laughs> so I have that hoodie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got the hoodie in small. I'm, I'm, I'm like five foot five. I'm tiny. I have that hoodie in small and um, it's too baggy for me. So I, I think I've worn it a couple of times just going, going to get a coffee in the mornings. But um, yeah, I'm kind of like now realizing that I don't fit in it and I don't really know what to do with it. But the T-shirt fits me. <laughs> the black t-shirt this week so yeah okay. <laughs> it, it, you're right it is all over the place but um no i did i copped um season, yeah the first star trek drop and the hidden stuff and i also have a cap and a tea on order from star trek and it's been about two months now i actually sent them an email the other day being like hey that's what i had to do yeah yeah but uh nothing just yet yeah it's strange it's annoying and, and when the first star trek release dropped i saw a lot of comments from a lot of people saying you know the t-shirts are really thin they're really flimsy they weren't fans and all that so yeah. i kind of avoided that first drop but for the second drop i like some of the designs and also you know i've got to say i have a walk-in closet next to my office here 
it's full of literally hundreds of BBC pieces. I don't wear 99% of it anyway. So even yeah. if I just, I buy it, it gets added to the collection as part of, you know, the kind of Star Trek history or whatever, then I'm kind of okay with that. But when it turned up, I really liked it the design of it so much I was really looking forward to actually wearing it oh. um, so I'm yeah really disappointed it doesn't fit and like I said the t-shirt the quality wasn't too bad um, on this second drop from what I saw it wasn't as thin as I was expecting from what people had said regarding the v- first drop Yeah, the hoodie definitely a very different material to this hidden one um, this is kind of thinner material but it seems more um I don't know how to explain it's it. It's like a higher There's more count. to it. Yeah, yeah, pro- yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, you can kind of feel the kind of quality in it. It won't wear quite as well, or as, as badly. Um, whereas the Star Trek one, it is quite heavyweight. It is quite thick, but you can kind of feel it sort of fluffy on the inside, and it feels like it will probably wear out a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not bad by... Yeah, any means. You know, I've got I've paid a lot more for clothing from other brands um, that are of less quality. Yeah. But yeah, it's just uh, slightly annoying on the the sizing as well. And I don't. I think I may have mentioned this on the last podcast. I don't. I can't recall now. But I got a few bits from BBC EU a couple of months back when I popped back to London for a weekend um, from the new ice cream range they're doing, and like the fit of those, again, just weird ridiculous again a 2xl hoodie quite tight in certain places really baggy in some parts really tight in other parts didn't seem quite right and then i bought what i loved was the the cones and bones crew neck they did and they had the the kind of blue version the black version i think i got a black version i think because black goes with anything basically and again the arms the top part of it fits great but then you pull it down the length of it it like reaches my belly button oh no oh no and that's and that's about it it's really bizarre it's like really short sounds like a nightmare yeah and it's like it's a 2xl which you think they normally i normally complain that you know an xl size or a 2xl they make them for like really tall people so Mm. they're normally really really long like the arms are really long the length is really long Mm. this just seems to be like really short it's I don't know. The The sizing is bizarre. And I feel like a real old person complaining <laughs> about the size of clothing. Yeah. Because I know as a, as a kind of teenager and somebody in my early teens, I'd be like, I know what size I am. I buy it and that's my size. And, mm. you know, I don't understand people that complain about that stuff. But now as I get older and I spend, you know, a more money, money on clothes. A lot of money. And I buy quite, yeah, quite expensive stuff. It's just bizarre how it can just vary so much. How this hoodie here can be slightly oversized and baggy whereas something else that's meant to be exactly the same runs about three sizes smaller yeah that's, weird that's not yeah I, I i i think hoodies in general just seem to be a little bit like if you if you're gonna buy an xl in a t don't get an xl in a hoodie like yeah it's it's just never consistent at the moment is it but um yeah uh, you know, you live and you learn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the, the only problem I have is being out here in Finland is like, you know, I don't get to try any of this stuff on. It's not like uh, I can, you know, pop to the local, you know, my local BBC store and go, okay, what this season, what is the sizing like? Try it on. Okay, I know I'm an XL this time or I know I need to size up or size down. So you just can't, you got to buy it blind. Yeah. And then 
you know, in theory, I could be a person that gets it, goes, oh, it doesn't fit, and sends it back, but I just can't be bothered. <laughs> I'm just too lazy. Oh, no, you're wasting money as well. I know. So I, I can't really complain. Yeah. I shouldn't complain, I should say. The, the one thing maybe, and yeah, this has been pointed out to me before, is like, maybe start doing some exercise again <laughs> and actually fit back into these clothes, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, Alan, that, that would take a... That's not an instant fix, though, is it? That's the, that's the exactly, no, exactly, yeah. That's a long-term thing. <laughs> yeah. And I just remembered also, very briefly speaking about BBC EU, um, again, today is the 6th of January. There is a new ice cream drop happening today in store and on the website. I think it's 1pm or 2pm UK time, which is right about now as we record it. Um, but I haven't looked yet, so I don't know what's in that drop. But if you are liking the new ice cream stuff... Cough, cough, not the sizing. Cough, cough. Go and check that out. See if there's anything there that you like. Uh, I think that's all the notes I had. Before it gets past your bedtime, because you are in Sydney, about you know, 100 hours ahead of me, let's, uh, let's talk about us for a bit, or let's talk about you for a bit. Sure. Let's talk about um, NERD.live and let's, what you've been doing over there. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, so I've always... I've always kind of been into um, capturing videos and audio files from like a young age. Um, I'm 35 now. I think I kind of got into it when I was like 15 or 14 or 15 or whatever. And um, I even have like these really weird recordings of like NERD playing Thrasher for the first time in Paris and these really horrible mobile phone clips that just sound horrible. And for some reason, I just kept all of it. And I have a treasure trove of like um, live footage, and I I even used to kind of like capture. So I used to record um, like live performances on the VHS, and like you know like how they did like all eyes on NERD on MTV two and all that kind of stuff. I recorded all of yeah. it, and I had like a capture device on my computer, so I used to transfer it digitally. Um, so just over the years, I just kind of like managed to accumulate quite a lot of that stuff. And even even from the early days, like from the original NERD site and the Star Trek site, like there were live videos of them at playing that Shepherd's Fish Empire, which I kind of got, and some of the some of the videos of like Pharrell talking about Stereo Lab and Chad doing a tour of his house, and um, I think introducing the audience to his ex-wife. I mean, ex-wife now, I guess, but. Um, and his kid as well. So like all, all that kind of stuff I have. And I was like, do you know what? It's just going to sit on a hard drive forever or I can do something with it. Um, so I yeah, just decided to kind of like put it all, um, not all of it, but a lot of it on on that page at the moment. And um, I'm definitely kind of getting a lot of DMs, a lot of likes and comments on, on this stuff. And there's, there's been a few people who are kind of got annoyed that I posted a lot of early stuff um when i first started it and they were like oh is this going to be another page where you're just going to ignore like the you know the 2010s and i'm like no do chill we've got all the time in the world don't worry it's coming <laughs> but you know people like to people like to kind of complain so yeah no, i'm kind of really enjoying it and really happy that um kind of brent's following the page i mean eric twig Philip, like they're all kind of um, engaging with the page, which is like really nice actually, because I know they're all part of the family. But yeah, really, um, really excited with where it's going. It's only been like three, 
three four months or so so yeah we'll see where it goes no that's cool because i saw one of your one of your early posts got shared by somebody by you know mutual follower of ours i can't remember who and it was a show that i think i was at so i was like oh well, you know obviously i remember that so went and i had a look and you i think you only had a few posts up at that time yeah and um yeah i remember i think i commented or something like oh i was there and we maybe shared a couple of comments backwards and forwards. I think you were probably there as well, mm. uh, one of the London shows. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it was great to kind of see some of that footage again, and um, you know, kind of have those th- those kind of memories. Because back then, I think I used to take a digital camera, I used to borrow a friend's digital camera to the show. So I've got like hundreds of photos back, you know, printed off at my mum's house and stuff, and probably on my computer here as well, buried somewhere. Um, but not many videos. Because mm. obviously, you know, those early 2000s ones, it was before we really had any decent um, kind of, you know, cameras in our in our phones and stuff, especially yeah. for video. So it was mainly, yeah, like a digital camera with a zoom on it, standing kind of at the front or halfway back, you know, taking pictures sort of through the crowd and stuff. Um, so it's really great to actually yeah, be able to find some of those videos and, yeah, relive some of those gigs. And a lot of them, because there's been so many over the years, I've just kind of forgotten about mm. people always sort of say to me like oh do you, know, do you remember this show and i'm like no i don't i don't know if i was there i assume i was because it's a london show and for a certain time period until i moved out to you know australia in roughly 2010 ish whenever it was i'd been to every london show they'd done so mm. i most likely was at a show if somebody brings it up and it was in london but i just have no kind of recollection my memory's awful these days anyway um, and with the amount of shows, a lot of them just kind of blur into one. Yeah. So it's really great to kind of get those memories and see those videos. And even recently, I started going through a lot of my old um, photos I've got and started to find lots from those old shows. And I was like, oh, shit, there was a there was a show that year and I was there and, oh, that happened. And, yeah. and there's a few videos I've found here and there, really bad quality ones, where you can barely even make out what the track is because the audio is just so bad. Um, but there are some where I'm like, oh shit, I've seen him do that song or they did that. And, you know, so it's, uh, it's really good to kind of go through that. And I was going to say to you as well, at some point I will dig through all of the archives and see if I can find anything that's semi-decent yeah. or, yeah, decent, decent enough quality where you can at least make out what the track is and, uh, and send them over to you and, you know, then if you want to share them, you can as well. Yeah, no, that, that would be awesome. I absolutely would, um, yeah, would appreciate that. And actually, just it's really interesting you say it's hard to remember some of those moments from the early days. And actually, you know, the Hammersmith Apollo gig that was on MTV, and I posted mm-hmm. a few clips on that where Justin and Dizzy Rascal and everyone came out and whatever. That wasn't the first time Justin Timberlake had come out at any RD show, like, and people don't know that. Justin had come out early on. Um, I think it was at the Brixton show, the early, early, early yeah. Brixton shows, or maybe even the Astoria shows. And I actually have video clips of Justin coming up for those shows um, in my archive as well. So like that's going to go up as well. And um, there's like Killer Keller. Do you remember when he used to come yep. and do? Yeah, I saw him with him. Yep. Yeah, Killer Keller was there. We had like Spy Mob did a always did a set before NERD and. Hey, even the script, the script used to support NERD. Um, and he obviously yeah. the script got absolutely massive. So there's so much that happened during these shows and there's so much footage behind the scenes that like, I've got that I, I am really excited to kind of put up. But I think the, the Shepherd's Bush, the first like 
you know, the, the first Shepherd's Bush show, I think it was their first official show, 1st of July 2002, I'm never going to forget that I've day. i the poster just over my shoulder on the wall over there, yep. Love it. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, you had Lee Harvey, you had Khalees, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, pretty special time. And I will say one thing about that show, which is, because NERD weren't that big at the time, you didn't really get mm-hmm. like the screaming fans, the, the ones who were shouting Pharrell every two seconds and elbowing you in the yeah. face just to get to the front. Like you didn't have any of that. It was spacious. It was a vibe. I, I, I was definitely around people that were just smoking weed. It was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. And I think ultimately around the sort of like 2010s, I kind of got a little bit fed up of, of the shouting, the screaming and the, you know, the, the groupies, I guess. And, um, yeah. I kind of fell out of love with going to any RD shows because it was a, it got aggressive likes. Some of these girls would do anything to get to the front and, uh, Oh yes, I've, I've witnessed it myself. Yeah, and it's—I think I might mention it on the podcast before, but yeah, back in the early days when you know there was only really in search of out, and then you had to be like a real you know hip hop fan to know who the Neptunes were, who Pharrell was. So you would go to an NERD gig, and you would get such a wide spectrum mm. of people in the audience. You would get the younger people that were into hip hop, uh, that knew the kind of you know the club tracks and stuff. But then you would also bump into people in their sort of 50s and 60s almost that had just heard the In Search Of album and loved classic rock and roll and jazz and stuff like that that was obviously, you know, um, used in the album. So, yeah, you had that really wide range of people. And then, yeah, as you got into kind of the mid-2000s, 2006, around that sort of time, it then it gradually changed. And, yeah, you get we got to that point in the mid-2000s where... It was probably yes, seventy five percent screaming teenage mm. girls, um, which would get like you say a, a bit tiresome. Yeah, when you would go and watch those shows because any break in the audio whatsoever, and it would just be a cacophony of you know young girls just screaming at Pharrell and yeah. and stuff, and it was just like. You know, and as a young man who's there, you know, to enjoy the music and loves the albums and stuff, it's just like, oh god, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a bit too much, isn't it? We um, it's we used to we had a crew actually, uh, like an NERD crew that used to go and queue up at nine a.m. for every show, and pretty much for most of the early shows, myself and my sister were always number one and number two in the queue, and um, it was always it was always the same people as well like over the years and yeah. we kind of got quite matey with all of them and then we'd have like meetups and stuff and a lot of them were you know into vape and bbc at the time as well and definitely kind of made some friendships from from those early days i feel that over the years we we probably have crossed paths at some point um without knowing and yeah here we are i'm living in finland you're obviously from the uk originally as well but you now live in in australia where i kind of lived at one point as well mm. and here we are kind of you know crossing paths again kind of all these years later because yeah, yeah I, I was very similar i'd go i travel up from uh from paul like the, the normally the day of the gig or the day before and i'd always get a hotel like as close to the venue as possible so i'd sort of stay at the hotel go check in basically find the nearest pub go for a pint and then go straight over to the venue and again queue outside and always be 
pretty near the front, you know, mm. probably in the first, you know, when I first started going, yeah, probably in the first 10, 20 people. As I got older and wanted to queue less and less and wasn't interested in queuing, yeah. I'd go in right at the end. Yeah. But at the start, you know, in the early days, I was, yeah, probably down the front somewhere with you and probably bumped into you at some point as yeah. well, I imagine. I, it's, I'm, I'm going to look back at my photos because I've definitely got a lot of um, photos from us queuing up at the early days, in the early days with the crew and stuff. Um, so you never know, you might be in one of my photos. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I've, I've, I've got hundreds as well, unfortunately. And stupidly, they're all taken on a digital camera, but what I used to do is like not store them on a hard drive because it was a friend's digital camera, is I would kind of take them or transfer them to a USB stick or whatever, go and get them printed off, uh, kind of, you know, Photoshop at Boots or whatever in the UK, and then kind of, you know, delete every, delete all the digital copies and just have like the physical copies. So there's, yeah, thousands probably at my, in my mum's loft back in the UK, but I don't have a lot of the original digital ones. So what I now need to do at some point in the future is get all of those cop- physical copies, ship them to here in Finland, and then like re-digitize them all. Oh, yeah. And you'll lose a lot. And of then start going that. through them. Yeah. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a mission, but um, maybe one that's worthwhile, worth <laughs> yeah. doing. But at some point in the near future, I will also go through what I have on my um, various hard drives and uh, in my photos album and, and stuff like that, and um, see what I can I can dig out. And yeah, if I find anything good, like I say, I'll I'll send it over to you, and I'll try and keep an eye out for your face as well. Cause, like I say, awesome. we, we've probably seen each other. We've probably been in the same crowds together, and yeah. <laughs> It's also good to reminisce as well, isn't it? Like when you look back and like one of the things I always notice in all these photos is there is not a mobile phone in sight. There is not a, mm-hmm. because nowadays you look at like videos on YouTube and everybody's just got their phone up. Like, yeah. I, I know I sound like an old man now, but back in those days, back in the day, it was like you could only focus on what was in front of you. And, yeah. you know, that was a beautiful thing. And I was actually thinking about it earlier today before we before I came on this podcast that am I ever going to get back into live music again like am I ever going to feel the same attachment to live music that I used to feel and all the experiences that we both have had going to these shows from the early days now I don't think I don't think it's the same anymore and I feel I, feel, mm. I almost feel like a little bit gutted for um, the people that are going to live shows because you literally have so many phones in front of you that you just end up looking at the show on somebody else's phone it's kind of it's really sad and it's funny because i'm i'm kind of guilty of that as well like when i go to a live show not i've been to one for quite a while but when i do go to one i always kind of think i want to be able to remember it i want to be able to kind of look back at this show and this you know be able to say like oh i saw that song live like maybe to my kid when he's a bit older and go here's a video of it so i find myself when certain songs come on with certain artists if it's a really big one or one that i really like I'm straight to my phone, mm. record it, get you know, try and save that memory somewhere because mm. it won't last that long in my own head. Um, so, so you know, get it on the phone quickly. Yeah. And then what I find is, you know, as with most people, you never end up looking back at these things. <laughs> they just sit there in your in your photos app or on your phone or wherever, just you know, forever. And occasionally, I do try and go back. I do kind of categorize everything into into gigs and I label everything and date everything so there are times when I do kind of scroll back through them but um, there are times when I it's funny so there are times when I wish I hadn't been using my phone to record it 
But then there's a lot of times where, you know, I went to, I've seen Kanye like six or seven times live. I went to like his first two live UK shows. I wish I'd had a really good, you know, camera phone then to record some of that because it was amazing. Yeah. You know, like this was, you know, Kanye's first show. Nobody wanted to go with me. So I went like by myself, basically. Uh, none of my friends, even those that are into hip hop, they're just like, oh, who? And at the time, he only had Slow Jams out. Yeah. And the album, I think the album just had dropped, but Slow Jams was only what people really knew. Yeah. So nobody really wanted to go. Nobody was really into him. And I wish I'd recorded some of that. I went to Eminem's first ever UK gig um, in London, which might have been Brixton. Yeah. He brought out Dr. Dre halfway through. Oh, And Dr. What? Dre did like three songs i think yeah so again i wish i'd been able to like record some of that because uh, yeah that's probably not likely well they will perform again at some point together you know and they will bring they do bring each other out for these kind of big um festival events and you know really big kind of shows you're never going to be in like a small intimate kind of venue like brixton academy or wherever it might have been mm. with what what's the capacity there brixton i think brixton brixton was around 3000 i think it was uh, unless you're unless you're talking about like astoria or la2 like those ones were those were those are the ones with that were in the hundreds they're really small ones, yeah. yeah. It, I think this was, it would have been Brixton Academy. Yeah. But even yeah, even to me, like with a capacity of that much, it's still what I would consider like yeah, a more kind of intimate gig. It's oh, a smaller scale. It's 100%. not an arena. Yeah, it's yeah. not a, you know, it's not it's not Wembley or whatever, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't think we're you know none of us are ever going to go see Eminem in one of those venues again, no. and then have Dr. Dre come out halfway through, like you know. And there's been a lot of stuff like that over the years where I've gone to see people. It's been their first yeah. first gig in the UK or first gig wherever. And, and then they've just blown up and taken off. And, um, yeah, I, I wish I'd been able to kind of capture some of that early stuff. But then, like you say, it's, you know, I'm also glad I was kind of, you know, I hate to say it like this, but, you know, enjoying it in the moment. Yeah, exactly. It sounds very cheesy, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, but it's no, it's really important. But Steve, you sound like a trendsetter. You've been to all these shows and <laughs> go to more. You never know what, what might happen. Well, not that live shows are happening at the moment, but you know, when they do come back. But that was the great thing about like the UK back then in the early 2000s. It was like, if you were just becoming like a big artist or you wanted to kind of, you were like a US artist and you wanted to break Europe. Yeah, and obviously we view it from a different perspective. We view it as like a UK artist always trying to break America, you know. But it works the other way around. You know, US artists need to kind of break Europe a lot of the time, or they used to when you used to have to actually have record sales. So they would always come to London, you know. And like I say, I'm trying to think of some of the others I went, I've been to. I can't remember all of them, but the, the big ones to me, yeah, Eminem's first ever UK show mm. um, and Kanye's first one as well. And being, being there and seeing them, you know, it was just, amazing i don't know who i went to the eminem one with um but like i say kanye like nobody was interested i think i i used to always buy two tickets because i would normally always have a friend come with me yeah. whether that was an nerd gig or somebody else and i remember buying two kanye tickets nobody wanted to come and even like one friend who would normally come you know her response was Oh, Kanye, is that the guy that's got that song where it like sounds like a chipmunk on the chorus? <laughs> and I was just like, oh my 
god because obviously it's got the sample, sample in the chorus yeah, of slow jams yeah. sped up yeah and um yeah my, my head in my hands just in despair um, and I ended up going I think I ended up selling the ticket outside the gig to a tout or something yeah and just getting like you know half my money back or something and then just queuing up and going in by myself yeah and um and I'm trying to think who was like supporting I think he might have had John Legend Samantha Ronson came out wow uh Whoa. the violinist that was in a lot of his tracks back then is it Miri Benari or something the Israeli woman who did a lot of his kind of violin production and stuff. Oh. She came on and did some stuff. And there was somebody else as well. It was kind of like a little kind of lineup before he came out, a little yeah. concert in itself um, of kind of, you know, artists that he was into at the time or that he was working with or the up and coming, like I say, like John Legend. And obviously Samantha Ronson was kind of popular back then being the, the sister of, of Mark and I think the girlfriend of Lindsay Lohan at the time. So, you know, she was kind of, you know, blowing up as well. Of course, yeah. So. Oh, and, and that was kind of around the time where Amy Winehouse would have been touring and, and she played a lot of gigs at Brixton at the time. I never got to, mm. actually, uh, the same thing happened to me. Well, I was the one that turned down the offer to go to the Amy Winehouse gig that my sister had tickets for. And obviously now I regret that and I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life because um, you know obviously of, of what happened but I think there are two there are two kind of two artists that I, don't, I, I think I never ever got to see which I'm really annoyed about which was Amy was one of them and uh, Michael Jackson was the other Michael Jackson uh, this is it I so I lived tickets. in Australia yeah I lived in Australia at that time I had tickets mm. and I was literally going to fly back from Perth to London mm. for a weekend just for like three yeah. days. Yeah. The jet lag would have been horrific at both ends. I probably would have uh, had some kind of breakdown at some point during or after. Um, but yeah, I had the tickets as well. Mm. I was going to do that. That's, you know, Michael's probably my main one. I was lucky enough. I saw Prince before he died. I saw James Brown just before he died. Yeah. I've got tickets for Elton John. Okay, cool. It's already been postponed three times um, <laughs> because of COVID and because of his, his poor health that he's generally in these days. Mm. It's rescheduled for later this year, like November or something, 2022. You know, touch wood, he's, you know, he, he's in good health this year and yeah. nothing else happens. But I do kind of worry that um, I might not get to see him as well. I think, I think Elton will still be around. He's done a few gigs in Australia, which I managed to... Um, managed to catch and kind of small venues yeah but yeah he's he he always bounces back i kind of feel so um yeah i wouldn't worry too much yeah i've just listened to his um his recent autobiography as well mm. um because i downloaded the audio books always so if anyone is an elton john fan or just a music fan in general or just a a, a pop fan of the kind of 60s 70s 80s and i highly recommend his um autobiography as you can imagine with someone like Elton John he doesn't really uh doesn't really hold back let's say so he tells it like like it is and like it was from obviously what he can remember from his you know <laughs> years and years of you know alcohol and cocaine binges but it's a, a very good read or listen and if you listen to it it's narrated by he does the first part and the last part and then the rest is um what's the guy's name that played him in the Oh yeah, the movie. Ah, uh, Taron Egerton. That's is it. it. Yeah, the Kingsman dude, right? Yes, 
so yeah, he narrates the rest of it, and he does he does a really good job as well. So again, if you're a fan of him, then um, yeah, check that book out. It's uh, definitely worth a listen or a read. Sure, good tip. All right, anything else from yourself that you wanna wanna chat about? Oh no, just um, you know, thank you very much for having me on the podcast today. Um, it's definitely been a long time coming um, in terms of kind of getting in and amongst the, um, I guess, like the subculture that you're a part of. And I love what you do. So keep doing what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Um, and I guess a final plug, which is, um, yeah, head, out, head over to my Instagram page. It's nerd.live. Um, so, yeah, over the, kind of, over the months and hopefully years, I'll be posting a lot of unreleased footage that I have. Um, and if anybody has anything cool that they want to share with me as well, that they want to, you know, post on the page as well, then definitely feel free to send me a note in the DMs and uh, I'll be happy to yeah, post anything that's maybe of interest to the, to the community. Nice one. I definitely and highly recommend the Instagram page if you are of our age and you've you've been to these shows and you can you know relive some of those memories. If you're a little bit younger, which most people seem to be these days, then you can you know live it vicariously through us for the first time and uh, check out those videos. A few bits from me. Um, I always forget to plug these other things. Uh, obviously, there's the usual stuff. Head over to the others with a z.net to stream the the podcast there get all the the show notes and latest information you can find us at others podcast online but also go check out the bbc ice cream facebook page that i look after what i probably should have done is prepared for this and had the url ready uh, but i can't even remember what it is hold <laughs> on one second so it is the usual facebook.com and go to bbc ice cream worldwide um, for non-official BBC ice cream stuff. So some of the latest news, people's latest pickups, stuff for sale, legit checks, all that stuff. Um, head over to there. And also somebody recently asked me um, if there was a, a subreddit for the for the podcast uh, and for NERD. Um, there is a Pharrell one. Uh, there's a couple of Pharrell ones, in fact, uh, but there was no NERD one. So I have gone and set up an NERD one. Uh, so if you are a Reddit user, um, head over to there. It's the subreddit is called uh, Nerd Army, uh, which is what NERD's handle used to be many years ago. So I've stolen that blatantly. Uh, but yes, it is an unofficial NERD subreddit. So you can go there, post NERD stuff, post Pharrell stuff, BBC stuff, whatever it might be. Anything that's related, you can uh, stick it in there, basically. Um, then you can find me the usual places at Steve R. Penny. And there it is. You've got it on your screen. Lovely stuff. Um, I'll put all the links uh, to my stuff and to Pernesh's stuff in the show notes. So, yeah, make sure you head over there subscribe like follow all that jazz and we will be back soon you may be hearing this after a special episode or the special episode may come may follow this i'm not quite sure which way around it will go yet but yeah we're going to be doing this more and more regularly uh panesh thanks for like jumping on here i know it's late for you over there as well um so i appreciate that and you are more than welcome back anytime as well 
Thanks very much. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast and uh, I'm not feeling tired, so that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> I feel your pain, like I was saying to you earlier. It's normally the other way around for me. I'm normally the one up late recording these things, yeah. so um, I know what a, a pain in the backside it can be doing these late at night. But yeah, um, that's it from us for this week. We'll wrap it up there and we'll speak to you soon, everyone. Bye-bye.